If you could describe 2020 leadership in a phrase, I would describe it as crisis management. For many companies, the last three months have completely shifted everything that was planned and accounted for. One of the hardest hit industries has been the hospitality and tourism industry. On today's podcast, we welcome on Manoj Jazra, who is the CMO and Chief Digital Officer of Northland Properties, which manages an entire portfolio of hotels, restaurants, sports teams, and construction companies. In this episode, our founder, Jake Manoj, discuss future insight, practical marketing advice, and how one of their portfolio restaurants, Denny's, is looking to change and adapt in this new economy. If you find any value in this conversation, and trust me, you will, be sure to share on Instagram or LinkedIn. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So thank you guys for listening. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation between our founder, Jake, and Minoj. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to another Trendsetters podcast episode. Today on our CMO series, we have another incredible guest who is going to introduce us to quite a few brands as well as his approach to managing all of those and setting up the strategy. Today on our CMO series, I'm joined by Manoj Jazra, the Chief Marketing and Digital Officer for Northland Properties Group. Manoj, it is an incredible honor to have you on today's episode. I'd love to start by introducing Northland's property group for those of the of the listeners here that might not be familiar. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, really looking forward to the conversation. Uh, Northland is is a is a very interesting company. As I was kind of interviewing for it, it uh, you kind of have to peel back the layers in regards to what's behind it. So, it's a family owned Canadian business. Uh, started in nineteen sixty seven. Um, and has a variety of different brands. It's got hotels, restaurants, resorts, and sports teams. And so the the kind of the swath is massive. So we've got 60 hotels, Salmon and Sutton, mostly in Canada, but also in the US, UK, and Ireland. Uh, we own the rights to Denny's Canada. And we also have some other large restaurants in Canada, specifically Moxie's. We have a steakhouse called Chop Shark Club, which is a sports bar. And then we own uh, a couple resorts, Revelstoke Mountain Resort and Grouse Mountain Resort. And they're just kind of like full service winter, summer fun, basically. Uh, and in a, in, from a sports team perspective, we've got the WHL Western Hockey League's Camels Blazers and the NHL's Dallas Stars are also in the portfolio as well. And to top it all off, we have some construction and real estate business that we drive as well. My role spans marketing and digital, looking after all the way from the left to communications and crisis management to the right to digital and technology. And we really built like a internal agency supporting all of our brands. Yeah, certainly. And then not only is your role quite diverse, but obviously you have a diverse group of brands underneath that. And all are primarily, uh, or I think 
pretty much all of them are consumer facing. Uh, but outside of that, there's no exact commonality between all of those. They all have different consumer markets that they're going to hit. Um, and approaching those is certainly, you know, kind of quite the tall task, I would say. So as you go about building those strategies and approaching all of those different brands, I'd be curious to hear from you how you even start to, to tackle that, because it's obviously not something that can happen overnight. You can't just have, you know, a strategy session on, on one or the other. And for a lot of people, just one of those brands in particular would be, you know, a massive overhaul and that'd be quite the uh, quite the role to take on. So from your perspective, how do you manage, you know, uh, your day to day strategically trying to really design the strategy across digital and marketing for so many different unique brands? Yeah, with a lot of help and you need it. Otherwise, it's just too tough to manage. And if you look at my day to day, I couldn't even tell you if one day acted exactly like another, because every hour it feels like you're doing these context switches from from a variety of different brands. So what I've done is I we've we've set up the architecture of the group so that uh, there's brand leaders at a marketing level who actually are yeah. kind of live, eat, breathe, sleep that brand, which is highly important. Um, and the the key ones being on the hotels and restaurants and the resort side for us. And then what I try to do is actually I centralize services just like an agency would. So yeah. what I've done out of the gate is I've centralized digital marketing. So digital marketing, including Google paid search, paid social, uh, digital analytics, email marketing, all end up in one bucket, uh, which actually gives us scale in terms of like, as, as I know you, you're obviously an agency as well, but in regards to scale on cost and efficiencies and talent, we can now service seven or eight brands versus just trying to do that every single time. And then from a buying a media perspective, I think we get a lot of leverage there as well. And additionally, my thought is in the future to um, to probably centralize the content development. We know that uh, social content video is going to be a big deal. I think to play in that space effectively, it's hard to do it, uh, to be too skinny and do it. So we're going to try to centralize that and almost create a content engine that's going to power all that within a creative services group. And as I look to see as we grow, it's only been about like month eight for me. I will continue to centralize operations uh, to give us more scale and efficiency that way as well. Yeah, of course. And with today's plethora of digital platforms, it's almost a necessity that you you have to centralize or at least figure out a way to continue to grow and scale it out. And so I certainly love your unique approach there. Now, I'd be curious to hear one of the benefits, though, of working with so many different brands is you get to analyze all those data and insights across all those unique brands, sectors, industries. And so what are some trends that you are seeing right now across across all those different industries and, and some of this might be COVID-19 related coronavirus related some of it might have just now been instilled and now we're having to accelerate what was inevitably going to happen anyway but are there any commonality or common trends that that are that are kind of commonplace with consumers across a variety of those brands yeah uh it, it's you actually nailed it in regards to the accelerated approach that we're seeing in a couple different areas so the way I look at it is, is that there were accelerators that existed previously to COVID. Uh, they happened to be, you know what, the digitization of everything, the, the gig economy, all was going at a massive clip. And now what this has done to us is like across all segments, this is now going to accelerate even further. Now you multiply that by 10 weeks of behavioral change in a row, and all of a sudden you've developed a new pattern and you've hit a new accelerator at the at the end of this thing. So we are seeing... A lot more people, obviously, uh, 
we're actually seeing in this, unfortunately, we're seeing less people book hotel rooms because it's just they're not they're not ready to go yet. And I'm soon 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 there will be as in with our safety practices that we were going to put in. I think they'll be ready. But I think like purchasing groceries, purchasing different types of uh, takeout delivery with us on the restaurant side is definitely accelerated. And I actually I'm, I'm going to pull up some notes here from a previous uh, discussion I had. And I think this is relevant. Here's what we're noticing from a survey that we did. So. Uh, our research on the hotel side says around 53% of people are still afraid of uh, contracting COVID in Canada. Um, just over 50% believe it's going to take a year more for us to return to normal. Um, on the Canadian side, we'll be staying closer to home for six months. So the idea is more regional travel versus domestic and transborder. Yeah. And then the rest of the year will come in around 12 months from now. So I think the key driver for us will be how do you drive uh, budget, like value, cost and then how you do that with a mindset of health and cleanliness at the top like i think that is now the most important thing more than more than even convenience and value uh people will take summer vacation this year uh it seems like they're going to take it but they're going to take it regionally but they still want to make it sure that it's uh seven to eight days long which is which is great for us um i think in our we're we're set up as provinces you guys obviously have states there but people will choose to stay within their home state or province uh, majority of people, like 90%, will choose to travel by car. And I think the biggest thing that people are looking for is that book with confidence. Yeah. You know what? If things kind of stir up again, I don't want to lose my money. So give me the ability to flexibly change and uh, cancel if I need to. So now these are the trends that we're noticing uh, in order for us to pivot our strategy and our marketing strategy, acquisition strategy as we go forward as well. Yeah, certainly. And those are all uh, interesting trends to see. Um, how those ultimately play out and if those consumer sentiments shift alongside some of the media potentially changing and some of just the narratives as well as just honestly, it's summer, the sunlight's out. Maybe that just makes people a little bit happier, more positive. Uh, but regardless, those are those are vital trends. And and, and it's good to hear that that brands like yours are are ahead of that. And now another thing I find interesting is is your role in particular includes both marketing and digital, which are obviously so intertwined in today's era, but there's also a lot of CMOs that even ones we've had on this podcast series that are in the role of a CMO, but they're less tech or digitally inclined than you might imagine. They might come come from a creative or solely just a strategic background. Um, Yet I find it that almost in the future, it seems to be that a tech and digital background seem to be on a rise. And that collaboration between tech, digital and marketing is getting more and more ingrained. And so from your experience, what do you see the role of tech, of digital, and just the awareness in those realms impacting marketing? Where if you know how technologies are influencing consumer behavior, that shifts your marketing approach or structure there. I'd love to hear your thoughts on on that realm. And I know that's a loaded question, but I guess take take it on as, uh, as you see best fit. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a, I think the, the role of the CMO is changing closer and closer to be almost closer to the chief digital officer. And really it's becoming the chief customer experience officer more than anything. That's the way I look at it. And I think it, it, and you can look at it, even how the, the advertising is, is now, uh, kind of sprayed like the traditional advertising and the typical large brand campaigns are being shifted into digital campaigns, hybrid campaigns. 
vertical campaigns, a lot more integrations with with uh, the actual uh, customers themselves, experience-based things. And that's causing a shift in regards to what's important for the role of the CMO. I think the CMO has to be able to shift into understanding data way more effectively. And if you don't, because we have so many touch points in regards to our day-to-day, like even if you look at a small area of Instagram, how many how many feet of Instagram do you scroll per day, right? And yeah, if, if yeah. consumers don't understand how to pinpoint, sorry, if marketing officers don't pinpoint context, what's important for that specific type of demographic, the type of customer, then you're basically throwing darts into a massive haystack that aren't going to land effectively. So I think it's, it's, it's interesting that you take the marketing lens, you add the data pieces to it so that you can segment your marketing effectively. And the fact that there's so much being done from a technology perspective in terms of applications, in terms of e-commerce, in terms of experiences, it's becoming, it's hard to even say that it's strictly just a CMO role anymore. It's a very much a hybrid role. And so you have to combine a variety of different skill sets. And I'm finding that if you don't pivot, it's very easy uh, to get to become a laggard as a CMO uh, very quickly. So I think always having to sharpen your skill set as, as our mandate is to drive loyalty and acquisition, we have to continually pivot ourselves to make sure we're relevant to a variety of different customer segments as well. And for me, you amplify that over seven or eight brands, times yeah. that, and it, it, it becomes a, a tall order. And that's why the team is required to have a variety of different people support you in much different ways. So the team that might have existed before has to be set up differently to support us going forward as well. Yes, certainly. And I think that's incredible insight into what the future of that CMO role ultimately looks like. And as we think about the future of the CMO role and marketing as a whole, and particularly, uh, you know, for for your team members, even seeing foresight in that future, uh, you know, what would your insight and advice be to that next generation of marketing leaders, of, of business executives, of those entering their, their first or second role in marketing and advertising that, it's certainly uh, an unstable future, and we ultimately know where it's heading, but we don't know exactly what how those roles play out, how those roles shift and change. So obviously, we don't have a crystal ball here, but uh, do you have any advice in terms of you know what this will ultimately look like and what we can do today to prepare for that? Yep, um, and I think this this advice will probably be helpful regardless of what time period we're in. And I think that the the time period of vertical expertise is disappearing. And it's shifting into uh, kind of like this hybrid approach of people who can do a couple things really, really well. So you don't want to be obviously a jack of all trades trying to do 10 things at like 20%. But if you could yeah. do two or three things really, really well, I think that really helps you because um, it allows you to kind of perform a task end to end versus having to say, hey, can you now do this? I'm going to build a creative and you go do the development of it. If I had a full stack person, I could that person could do it end to end for me, and that actually becomes super valuable. So I think uh, the concept I talk about a lot in my writing and the way when I speak on podcasts things like I call it a T shape approach. So the the T on like the anchor is basically like culture fit, and I look for people who can solve problems, and then the sides of the T are basically a variety of different skills that this person has. So in our in our example of creative and development, that would be the left and right side of the T. So I think I'm looking for those types of players because uh, if you can if you can apply that problem mindset and you have a, some good tools in your toolkit, I think those types of people will be super valuable. I, I look for people who have a variety of different experiences versus education. I think people yeah. who have um, done the work and shown me that they've delivered outcomes. 
I think they're going to be highly effective uh, as we go forward um, in terms of like the hot skill sets. I think content creators who can write, capture, direct, produce, that would be like an awesome person to have. And then secondly, if there were digital marketing strategists who can drive outcome driven business goals, work with data sets, know how to integrate with marketing automation platforms. Those are amazing people to have because you can tell there's multiple things that those people can accomplish and they can work effectively in a variety of different organizations. And maybe the kind of the base skill set I would say is really effective communications is never going to go away. If you can't clearly articulate an idea, how you're going to solve a problem or the outcome you're going to go after or the results you achieved and you can't clearly write or speak about that, that's going to be a problem for you as well. So I think those are areas that I would look to if I was a marketing up marketer up and coming to, to sharpen as well. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think that communications and leadership capabilities are kind of the foundation for ultimately any career if you're trying to advance in the right direction. Um, but yeah, I think your approach to that, uh, you know, in terms of having that diverse skill set is so vital in today's market as well. Whereas creating, you know, specifically in that creative role, like those are all, those would traditionally be all different positions. But in today's era, with the amount of content, the frequency that you're trying to push, ultimately you need those that are well-versed in all of those. And ultimately those that can see from, from start to finish all the way through, and then ultimately the impact that has on the consumer, now that impacts how we go back and affect the initial directing or pre-production plan if, if we're a creative, right? If we can actually see you know, the, 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 the comments of that. And I know that's something we always try to push here internally with our team at Trendsetters, as well as the, you know, experience over education. Um, but shifting gears a little bit, because I would love to get specific for our audience here, the Denny's brand and specifically, um, I'd be wildly curious to hear your thoughts on that brand as a whole. How do you define what that brand is? What does that look like in its messaging? And to kind of cue this up, we talked with the president of Path Blue Ribbon, and I loved his definition of their brand, which I'm totally paraphrasing here. But he was like, look, in 08, 09, when we had those problems on Wall Street, we just came out and we were the brand that's like, hey, we're not corporate. We're kind of like the FU to other people. And we're the blue collar, real, authentic brands that people love. And and I, I, I don't know if that's the exact message that Denny's has. Obviously, that's an interesting space and like positioning in the market. So I'd love to hear it from you, uh, what that looks like, as well as even see if there's variance between what the perception might be from consumers here in the U.S. Yeah, it's it's very interesting that you say it that way. I, I think that the way I look at our Denny's Canada brand would be, it's definitely, uh, yeah, it's blue collar. It's your when you go there, it's supposed to be meant for comfort. You're 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 at home. It's good meals for you, and it's it's fun and it's interactive as well. And I think there's a huge, uh, for us, for an opportunity is I think we have to even show that story even harder. And I think that the fact that it's a blue collar brand, it allows us to really play on the community side. I think we've done a lot of community driven initiatives over the last eight or 10 weeks. So with that been, I think it's been important as we play that role. And it's, I think we've, we found that healthcare workers as well as truck drivers who we've supported, I think they found it really, really amazing as well. So uh, I think on the Denny side, where we will continue to play is it's a very much a value-driven brand as well. I think uh, as 
the accelerators of kind of COVID hit in regards to that cost conscious customer. I think people are going to take a step down in regards to how they're going to spend their discretionary money. I think Denny's is a perfect uh, player in that space to to be that home for everybody in regards to home cooked meals at a great price and value. So we're going to definitely play up the value story. And I think we can be fun that way as well. Uh, we take some direction from the, the American side, but I think we can play a lot of our kind of our own approaches on the Canadian side as well. Um, additionally, on the Denny side, I think there's a huge opportunity for us to um, show convenience as well as execution of speed that way as well. Uh, I think uh, we, we tend to actually, there's a little bit of us that play in the casual space and there's a little bit of us that actually compete in the McDonald's space as well, right? So because there's that breakfast component. So now yeah. we have, if we're in between, we're going to have to compete with the QSRs as well as compete with the, the kind of the fast casuals as well, So which means we're going to have to have a kind of an amazing value-based driven experience and actually do that with speed and convenience in mind. So we're looking at different types of commerce and digital capabilities to accelerate that. So we've enabled online ordering in the last 12 weeks, which has been really good for us. We're trying to enable contactless pickup and delivery, which has been really good for us as well. So I like the, the Denny's brand is actually one of the funnest brands for me in my portfolio yeah. because it, it gives us a lot of flexibility. The team is amazing. They're, they're really just street fighters in that, that, that throughout this, we were all 50 plus of our restaurants stayed open for takeout and delivery so that we could keep people employed, serve the community. And you can tell from the present down, this brand operates just their hard nose, their they care about the customer so much and it's just one of the funnest brands I get to work on. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And I know that's obviously one of the more exciting brands, you know, and, and all of marketing, right. To, to work with. Um, and we've seen some, some of those wild campaigns out of QSR out of, uh, you know, fast casual specifically. So it's always wild to see uh, the approach from a strategy perspective. Now, obviously, it, you know, you just mentioned Denny's and you, you took on, you know, initially a brand marketing and brand messaging approach. Then you talk about some of the creative, then the audience, then the, the e-commerce side, some of the digital technologies. And obviously with your role as, as chief digital or chief marketing and digital officer, you know, you, you talked previously about some of that wide skill set. So I, I'd, I'd be wildly curious to hear from you. What are the the active learnings or or resources that you consistently tap into to stay on top of all these different moving pieces? Um, and I posed this question once to uh, uh, the, the only time this question has gone poorly was when I asked the, the CMO of consumer brands at IBM because of course she was like, well, you know, us, but uh, <laughs> but but in terms of active available resources to uh, you know, the majority of people here on, on the planet, uh, what would you advise in terms of some of those places where you can go to for this information to stay on top of all these different moving pieces? Yeah, I, I actually apply kind of a dual approach to this. Like, uh, I like to look at macroeconomics now more than I like to look at like vertical things because it allows us to understand is the type of marketing that we're going to deploy and the right type of strategies from a digital perspective, are they going to actually mean anything to customers? So, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of like the McKinsey and HBR. Some they've got a lot of good free content, Boston Consulting yeah. Group, but really great content. And they give you a strategic point of view in regards to consumers in Canada and the US, their perceptions, their uh, the way they're going to spend uh, the the next evolution in regards to what industries are looking like. And I use that 
kind of learning to now apply that to vertical things that we're going to do in regards to our brand specifically. So I, that, I like to look at things very broadly. And then when I get into specifics in regards to vertical, we have a lot of great partners. So uh, fortunately, uh, we have uh, Molson and Labatt and from a food perspective who, and industry partners, Restaurants Canada, the Hotels Association of Canada and Vancouver. They give us great insight that way from a vertical perspective, what's happening in a specific region. I think uh, as marketers, we should be tapping into the provincial, state level, national and local uh, kind of audiences and partnerships that way. I think that's a great way to to leverage more scale because it's it's actually it's it's mentioned in a way that's actually going to make sense to you versus something that's more more broad. And then I would say as a recommendation, I think it's important for us to all participate uh, as well. So I, I participate in a lot of kind of these types of discussions, a lot of speaking engagements, participate on LinkedIn heavily with with content because what it does it allows you to check to see what am I, what am, am I saying something that's actually do my peers agree with it? Or am I way off base? And it's okay to make yourself feel uncomfortable that way. Because if you don't, then you're kind of just working within your own bubble, which I don't think anyone should be doing in this kind of space that it's always evolving as well. That's how I, that's how I stay up to date and participate. Yeah, certainly. And I, I love your insight into that specifically, like continuing to apply much larger, high level uh, research and then obviously get your get your hands dirty because ultimately if you're not doing it if you're not staying on top of it you're never going to truly know we can spend all day thinking about some of the things we know but until we provide that action items you know we're never going to know how that actually plays out which is fortunately our call to action for our audience guys if you made it through this far on the podcast go ahead and screenshot it right now share it to your Instagram story tag myself in it. Uh, and tag your Denny's order, and I will Venmo you $100 from the Trendsetters account that you can only spend at Denny's, and we're going to confirm that. We'll follow up with you, and we'll we'll, we'll do a Venmo request if you don't. Uh, but anyway, Manoj, do you have any final remarks or advice for the majority of our audience here who might be be, be between the age of 18 and, and just starting to potentially go to college or who knows if that gets delayed or, or they just graduated or they're 26 years old working at an agency or working at a brand and likely still doing comms management on the Twitter account and probably that's it. Is there any advice you have for those individuals that one day see themselves as a CMO, as a CDO or, or like you've mentioned before, a chief customer engagement officer? What's some insight or, or final advice you would give to those individuals? Yeah, I would I would leave you with I think the qualitative approach to life is better than the quantitative approach. Like asking questions and trying to do your own research is highly important. Um, make yourself uncomfortable. Like go to those networking opportunities. Ask those questions to people who are your potentially your bosses or your peers later on in life, and it's okay to do that. And I'll, I'll for your listeners if they if they want to ever reach out over to me to LinkedIn ask a question, I'll respond in like less than twenty four hours. So happy to do that to provide some guidance to your listeners as well if they ever need it. That's incredible. And I'll tell you guys listening right now, that is uh, highly unlikely to happen from the far majority of CMOs as we've learned through the outreach process on this podcast. So this is definitely a 0.001% opportunity if, uh, if our data metrics are correct or our outreach just sucks and, and maybe, maybe we, we got to change something up. But regardless, thank you all for tuning in to today's episode uh, and I will see you all next week.